Let's just insert it after. Yeah, it's edited after. Hey, everybody. Yeah. We're recording, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what's up, everybody? Uh, welcome again to another episode of Recovery Friends Podcast, uh, where people who are in active recovery from addiction share their unique experience in the hope that listeners still in active addiction can identify with their stories and possibly find hope for their own recovery. Well, we are not affiliated, or do we speak for any 12-step programs or any other addiction or recovery-based entity? The words spoken here reflect the experiences of our guests and not the opinion of their chosen path to recovery. So, now. <laughs> so now we got a, all right, we got a new episode, guys, and today's guest is uh, Brent. Freaking out, man. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I freak, out, I freak out every time, I think. Yeah. I, get, I get nervous before every episode. It's like pressing record just brings out like the, the nerves. Uh, I was thinking that it would be just me and you, very intimate. Yeah, but There'd there's be a, some incense. <laughs> well, there's no incense. Shout out, Andy. Forgot the incense. but We'll burn some after yeah, the break. At the break. Yeah. We'll smoke some. Yeah, we'll smoke some, some Palo Santo. Mm. Um, oh, and I got cigars. Ooh. But I don't smoke in here. Yeah. Maybe we'll smoke yeah. outside. We'll smoke. Mm, we'll see what we'll see what's up. All right. So, <laughs> um, all right. So Brent is. Um, I'll in, maybe I'll introduce you a little bit. Um, you actually. <laughs> mm. I figured. I imagined that you want you were gonna want me to tell the the water story. I I thought about it. Maybe <laughs> uh, maybe I'll tell it. Th- maybe that would be better. Yeah. 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 If you Should tell, we tell it? start with the water story. Uh, sure, why not? No, first I wanted to say what a huge, huge fan of the show I am. Oh, really? Yeah, I wanted to uh, <laughs> stroke you a little bit first. Yeah, you're like one of the 40 per episode listeners. Yeah, and uh, congratulations, honestly, on the show. Um, oh. I think it's cool that you're, I'm serious. All right. I think it's cool that you're doing that and uh, in life in general. Oh, thank you, bro. Yeah, yeah, shout I out. I appreciate that. Andy. I think you're being genuine. I'm pretty I'm, sure you I'm are. But I, I really just never that. know with you. I just, I, <laughs> I thought I might tell you before, but I wanted the whole whoever listened to know that, like, Andy's awesome. Oh, yeah. thanks, Brent. There you go. I think you're awesome, too, Okay. Man. Well, oh, there we damn. go. Man. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, the water story. It was. Well, it's funny. I, feel like I, <laughs> I hate to interject. No, I don't. But I'm going to. Um. It was funny because like we never really talked that much and I and I was thinking about the water story and would we go into it and we never really like we didn't we never really like hung out that much because you kind of came in like you know later w- way later than I did and you're kind of new still in Bridge House <laughs> and uh, I remember like one of the first times I had a conversation with you you gave me like a look like I think maybe this is the first time you realize that like I'm kind of cool like <laughs> like you, you you don't hate me uh-huh. and you were like i used to have a resentment to you like for a long time uh-huh. <laughs> and, and when you told me and i guess you could go and tell but when you told me <laughs> what was so funny to me was like all this was going on in your head for like years you know yeah 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 and i was like wow that's <laughs> for awesome years, it was man. like because yeah. it was literally like i didn't tell you years later so tell, but, you want to tell was like, well I t- i'll tell you it was a few things it wasn't just that i don't know if i told you but like the first time I think I, p- I saw you pick up like however many chips you, mm. years you were picking right. up. And um, 
and I guess we hadn't really spoke all that much, and I, and I didn't, you know, and I think I was still within my first year, and I and I think I went to congratulate you about your chip, and I was like, honestly, like, dude, I had no idea you had that much time, and I think it offended you. I don't know if you remember this. No. No, I think you might. That might have been something else that you. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is true. This is you true. fancied or real more fancy than real. No, this is for real. So I said, I didn't realize you had that much time. And this is what you said to me. Yeah, yeah, I'm a newcomer. Ha ha. Uh, or something like what that. What a douche thing to that say. That was very douchey. Yeah. Well, so that you know, was part of it. Okay. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Maybe you even heard something besides. Anyway. Uh, okay. It's hard for me to admit I would say something like that, like where I'm sitting now. But maybe I misinterpreted it. I'm still a newcomer? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't ab- agree with that at all. No, of I've course done not. some shit in AA, man. I'm fucking... <laughs> no, but see, I, I think got some time. I say things, and I don't realize they're dick things to say sometimes. Yeah. Okay. You know? So, I mean, I'm not resent... That, that's, right. yeah. But that was, like, the first like mm-hmm. time I had spoken to Andy him. just punched me. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then it's like I'm just like knocking you down a peg before you go into your story. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, so and then so the story goes. Are, am I going to tell it? We're going to tell it together. So I'll tell my perspective because I think it's with like so the, much buildup. It's not as good as I like know, if you, we're man, fucking it up. Right, and so then anyways, you have to the, know so, all these so people. Lower your expectations, people. Yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious if you're me or Andy. Uh, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> or one of our yeah. It's so not like, even as hilarious. I had gotten asked to speak at uh, my what was my home group at the time, by who the by um, by a person, and they asked me a month or two in advance. So it's like he asked me, and, and it was like in the it was like late at night. I had called him, my sponsor, and we had talked. I was going through something, so I called him. You know, and after that, he was like, "You know what? I'm picking speakers for the the the, the meeting." It was DV, right? Yeah, DV. And, I, and your first, uh, my first sponsor. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he was like, "I'm picking speakers for you. Want to be the uh, the th- the the speaker at the end of the month for, I don't know what month it was." And I was if like, "If DV could only see you now, huh?" Yeah, well, he's come around. Yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. him lately. <laughs> um. So, he. So I'm like, of course, I'm around a year sober. Nobody had asked me to, okay, I had maybe moderated a meeting, which is like, you know, if you don't know the difference between speaking at a meeting and moderating, moderating is like, you come on, um, you don't need that much credibility. <laughs> you just go on, you got, it's 15 minutes, it's a big, it's a big honor and, and, and responsibility, but, when, but there's this stigma around like being asked to tell your story, right? So he, he was asking me my very first time. Number one fear among all all humans. Speaking in public. Public speaking. Yeah. they rather anything but that. And we're getting asked to do this. So, and it's a big honor. And like. So know, he's getting charged up. You know, he's for, probably the biggest fear he's ever had in his life. What, close to it. he's overcoming that. This whole <laughs> leading up to this point. And I'm told almost like a month and a half in advance. So you, I have a month and a half to to like obsess about it, to be fearful about it, to accept it one day, to n- to want to back out of it the next, over and over and over and over. It cost me great suffering. <laughs> so for whatever reason, I never spoke to uh, my sponsor about it again, you know? And, you know, that's, and I think part of me wanted to like, like talk to him about it because he didn't remind me. 
Uh, but I was kind of like, I, I knew that talking about it would bring back the fear, so I just didn't say anything about there's it. There's that part of you that really wants to do it, and then there's a part of you that hoping that you d- you exactly. get out of it. The ego wants to do it, yeah, and the ego also doesn't want to. The do ego it. does and doesn't want to do it. <laughs> Similar to like the ego is afraid to be in a relationship, and the ego is afraid to Not, be alone. Yeah, yeah, very. So I mean, I experienced both those things. So very he was wrestling with acutely. all this stuff, and so the day comes. It's the end of the month. Speaker meeting night and i walk in i got my big book i'm dressed nice i'm told you know when you get asked to speak in a meeting uh suit up and show up yeah so good sponsorship yeah okay so i'm like you know i'm in something decent you know i probably have a i don't remember what i wore but i probably have a press shirt yeah tucked probably Mm -hmm. tucked in i never didn't wear a hat i didn't i think you might have wore i probably had a hat on it wasn't that that was was in the hat period that was definitely before head acceptance we might talk about the hat sponsorship (laughs) too (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i wanted to save that for when we got (laughs) no we can talk about it because i definitely relapse on it a lot yeah Yeah. i understand i mean it's it's a yeah it's 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 an ongoing issue so i show up and then like you know and i walk in and immediately rock it and uh, Rocket and somebody are there, and they're like, "Who's speaking today?" And I'm like, you know, and I'm, and I'm like, just me, just, you, you know, know it's just gonna, some guy, you know, <laughs> nobody. So I know. tell people it's gonna be me. I, I, I think I told people leading up to the meeting that I'm gonna be speaking, right? So I'm so nervous, like shaking. Big honor. I go sit at the front. It's your home I'm, group. You've arrived finally know, at this pitch, right? I'm starting to become like respected. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and so I sit at the front and I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like trying to meditate, but I don't really know how to meditate at this point. I'm just kind of like thinking just wildly wild thoughts. And then all of a sudden and I, I and I remember I grabbed my, I put my, my my book and I put it on the podium, opened it up to a, a page I was probably going to read. And and then you walk in. And you sit in the front row next my to my ego walks in <laughs> minutes before i do yeah, yeah. okay and you, you felt down. you felt the presence <laughs> of the dark side and dude I, at that point i was so so uh, occupied with my own yeah bo- i couldn't sense well anything. me too me too i was just like i'm going in there all right anyway yeah so i think so i look at you and and you're sitting next to me and you're doing this do you you do like you breathe heavy when you're mm-hmm. nervous. You're nervous. Yeah. There's a lot of anxiety, like right yeah. before you're about to talk. Like, yeah. And we're both going through it. Right. Me, probably <laughs> way worse since the very first time. And you got years of surprise. Oh, man. And so I'm like, okay. And then I look at you and, and, and I see that you are, you know, maybe better dressed than normal, maybe. And I don't know if you have a big book in your hand or what. Whatever mm-hmm. reason, whatever it was, something told me that I was like, that was maybe I had reached a point where I could go up without the big book by that yeah, time. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> just, re- just recently. But something about your demeanor or something mm-hmm. told me that you thought you were going up to speak instead of me. Or you were going up to speak. I'm like, and then it started hitting me. Danny hadn't told me anything about it. Danny completely like, didn't even address it when I saw him that night. And, and then it hit me. Oh, he asked him to speak and not me. And I'm, I think telling it right now seems like it's like there's it's like, so trivial because it does seem so trivial. And 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 and, obviously, and that's the that's yeah. and that's the 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 gist of it. It's like I had this moment where I it, it, my ego got just knocked down a, like a million pegs, and 
I'm sitting there in my head and I'm trying to think, okay, shit, I told everybody I was speaking, how embarrassing, everybody's going to like, whatever. I don't know what people are going to think about me. And then I'm trying to tell myself it's not a big deal. Get over it. It happens. They double book. He probably forgot. He told, he asked you and all this thing is, all this is going through my head. And I'm like, and then you turn to me and you say, can you get me some water? (laughs) You legitimately asked me to get some water. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which, Which is like. And picking up and picking up when when you told me this story, first of all, I died laughing because I was like, it's funny how oblivious we are to just anything going on around us. And I was completely oblivious. And I wondered, like, I was like, well, dude, dude kind of looked at me like, like he wanted to fight a little bit when I asked him for some water. I was like, I'm about to speak. I'm important in here. Yeah. Can you can you just I need some water. I'm cha- I'm I'm whatever that's called. I'm I'm chafed. I'm chapped. Yeah. And uh, and so he didn't get the water. No. I said, don't worry, I'll get it. I'll get and, it. You and just you, stay and there. Went, and you ain't got it. And, but I remember, like, the fact that you... And, and we never addressed the fact that that, that is that kind of a, a dick move by you, <laughs> yeah. in all honesty. Yeah, yeah, To a degree, right? Or no? I mean, or yeah, am I... I, it was just... Um, <laughs> yeah, I, it, it, it was, I was just so in the moment. It was like, I need some water. All right, his, here's Andy. He's... Um, I think I kind of know him, you know, we, uh, he might get me some I know, water good I... friends with his grand sponsor at the time. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, man, I just, I'm gonna have to ask for help because I'm not going <laughs> to have time to go in the back to get the water before. Cause they're about to call me up. It makes sense. Yeah. And it makes sense. But you were working I didn't under have the assumption time. that I knew you were speaking. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, right, I did by that right. point. But I was dealing with, yeah. with like So basically he was like, <laughs> fuck you. you I'm not getting you, you any water, motherfucker. And then after that we uh-huh. did, I did, we We didn't talk we didn't for talk, like a while. We didn't talk till yeah. I said, Hey, you know, mm-hmm. you I used to resent you. Yeah. 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 So that was <laughs> You did you know you healed and then you were able to talk about it and um And it's a good story. At least, if, if, if at least to us, it's a good story. It's great. It's a good it's story. spectacular. <laughs> it is a good story. But all right, so that we got that out of the way. We'll talk about the hat sponsorship at some point. But yeah. uh, how about we just go ahead and start telling uh, what, what what why what you're doing here, why you're here, how how did we ever get into that weird awkward situation to begin with? What what led to that? <laughs> How did I get there? We started from the beginning. I was born, mm-hmm. like Lestat. Shall we start where I was born? And I'm just gonna do this timer. So okay. Just, I'll just show we're, you where you're at. Okay. Thirty to forty-five minutes. Great. Low end of that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, hmm. Well, um, I you know it's uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be talking about this, and uh, I hope you know someone listening. Uh, who may be struggling may hear something that they um, identify with or feel, you know, motivated to um, maybe get better themselves. Um, I uh, was born in Metairie, okay? And I, um, man, I don't want to start from there, but uh, so, you know, like you hear, I th- and, and and now that we've we used we always tell a story and now we always correct ourselves when we tell this story and we tell this story in the context in the context of how we used to f- think that that was different so that's the same thing I'm about to tell you um, <laughs> but we you know 
we I always felt um on the outs I always felt separate from everyone and um and you know we we tell that story in AA and you hear everyone talking about those feelings of separation and the feelings of um being inadequate not quite measuring up not not being cool you know but being obsessed with being cool but somehow feeling that you could never quite get into the to that feeling of like I finally arrived and I'm accepted yeah you know that that feeling that we all long for it turns out all humans only alcoholics think that's unique to them yeah but <laughs> all, human, all humans feel that all like, humans feel the same thing and 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 so, you know, what we do differently is we learn early how to drink instead of to grow up. And the normal, the normie, if there is such a thing, just kind of learns that, you know. And so uh, that's, you know, as as soon as I could figure out how to get out of my head, then I did, yeah. you know. Well, you're, but the normies don't necessarily necessarily learn to like cope healthily with it either, they though. they may not yeah they may not yeah. who knows what they what they do but they how never, right. how they never like the ones that don't learn how to cope with it in a healthy manner don't turn to alcohol and drugs it is baffling to me like how could you not turn to something aha uh-huh. <laughs> i have an answer well that's where that genetics comes into play you know that's yeah. where they don't have that um abnormal reaction to alcohol it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't explode like it like it does with us i don't think so because i mean i've seen non-alcoholics and that's just not a big deal to them yeah you know they just they work um what do they yeah they might work yeah they might you know exercise whatever they do social justice social justice (laughs) that's good though you know yeah whatever at least a purpose and so um you know, and I, I was kind of, you know, I, I, there's lots of factors, um, like, uh, like, you know, my living situation wasn't the best. I mean, I don't think that made me an alcoholic, um, but it it, just, it didn't help, you know, and I, um, it, it didn't help, you know, there was divorce, but I mean, you know, half of the world's family's divorced, you know, and they don't, you know, smoke crack because <laughs> of it, you know. So, but you know that I took that very personally, like a divorce and um, like five or six, you know, I didn't really take the actual divorce very personally. I took the concept of like, I'm different. You're supposed to be affected by it. Yeah. And no, I know that just added to that sense of separation. Like I'm different from everybody. Like, you know, what I saw on TV was like, you know, uh, leave it to beaver kind of situation where like, it's mom and dad and everybody's happy, but I yeah. was just different. And also my mom was, uh, you know, um, I guess you could say an alternative religion. She was uh, oh, yeah. a little in a, in a, in a, like not mainstream religion. And that also added to the sense of separation. Yeah. And then I would, uh, move around a, a little bit. So you didn't, so your mom didn't require you to be a part of the Oh, religion? yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was required until I was old enough to rebel. Yeah, surely. Okay. So yeah. you were basically that. Whenever I was religion. with her, I had to do that. But there was a period of where she wasn't in that religion, so I was able to kind of run amok. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, well. Did you ever tell me we had that thing in common where we were part of a weird religion? But I mean, of course, I'm, I was. I'm full transparency here. So, you know, yeah. you're, getting the, you're getting the raw uncut. Right, this isn't yeah. the dressed up. 
version. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. So that added to my, I mean, it wasn't a cult or anything. It's a pretty, you know, I, she's a Jehovah's witness. She's yeah. Jehovah's witness. You know, and God. <laughs> See, but that's funny. Yeah. You, you say, you say it's not a cult, but in our last guest, all yeah. she did was call it a cult. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, we, we all, um, interpret uh realities differently yeah so i mean i don't say i don't know if it is or not i mean yeah i mean you know 12-step community is pretty much a cult yeah i mean you know uh recovery friends podcast has no opinion on such matters right (laughs) right right what i what i will say is i find there um when we're talking about religion i don't want to go too far into like theoretical stuff yeah but when we're talking about religion, you you can fill in the blank any religion, whether it be you know Jehovah's Witness or Episcopal or Catholic, because I kind of slutted around with all of them, Baptist or even you know um, Eastern religions, Buddhism, um, you know polytheism. I think that uh, underlying all of them is uh, there's really some good people in all of them, yeah. you know, and there's people who have figured out to apply the spirituality within them. And there's also people in those religions who who don't. Yeah. And so, you know, it talks about in the book about how we couldn't see the forest for the ugliness of some of its trees. Yeah. And so I would be focused, hyper focused on all the people who were hypocrites. Yeah. And there's lots of them. I mean, you know, if you think about it, you know, we're all hypocrites uh, because none of us can live up to perfect principles, perfect standards of, you know, honesty, love, unselfishness. I mean, who's 100 percent any of those things? Yeah. So if I'm looking to um, judge, there's plenty room for that. Yeah. Especially in the twelve step community. Oh, one hundred percent. We set the bar really low for behavior. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. And I, um, I remember being terrified to talk to girls. Oh yeah. Okay. But I had girlfriends. Yeah. I talked about this one time. Um, and what I would do, what it meant for me to have a girlfriend would mean that we write notes back and forth. Okay. And invariably, which means always these <laughs> girls would break up with me via note, of course, because you, they, because I was too scared to actually talk to them. And they assume that I, I was maybe talking to someone else. Oh, it worked to your advantage to a degree. Like, cause it didn't like be, it's funny how like being, afraid sometimes is perceived as yeah. being confident or being yeah like, or being no it didn't work to my advantage because <laughs> well, i'd be devastated well, after these breakups <laughs> and listen to like sad songs and watch movies yeah. and like tear up and i like i had never even so much as like kissed a girl no did you did you re- realize at that time that you, that it was like the fact that you couldn't get over that fear to speak to him that might might be yeah 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 and i'm, and I'm glad we're talking about this Cause no dude would ever admit something like this, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I would carry it's this. It's hard to admit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fear of yeah. I all I knew was I just couldn't talk to them, and all I knew is that among my guy friends, I could never tell them that. No. So I was like terrified, and so I would just pretend like it. Yeah, psh, ain't nothing, you know. No, I'm, I'm not tripping on that. I mean, I'm just yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't like made out in like you know third base with at least like ten girls, you know, like yesterday. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but meanwhile, in my head, I would, I would, I would be afraid to even talk to them, and I would go as so far as like to avoid them. Yeah. But we, we, but if they were at a distance in class, then I would like look and smile, you know, make eye contact. Hey, uh, so good to see you. But I was, I didn't know what to say. Yeah. 
I didn't know what to say. I was uh, hyper-focused on myself mm. and uh, everything that could go wrong. Or just didn't know what to say. Yeah. And that would, that, that would be something that I would carry up until sobriety. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, guess what happened? I discovered alcohol. Yeah. Okay. And I remember, me and my uh, cousin, won't say his name, because it could be any one of them, who I think has dabbled in, in alcoholism this, you know, after, since this point. I was staying at his house, and we, we somehow had a radar on this bottle of Bacardi rum that was under the sink, okay? And we, his parents were going to leave us alone that night we were you know 13 14 but you'd been looking at it you... legit when we just like when they left we were like Psh, that bottle yeah i saw it too Psh, let's start let's start let's see what it and neither one of us had gotten drunk before okay and uh we um you know we poured we made some we didn't know how much to pour we poured like you know um a whole lot of a whole lot of rum and like a, a splash of coke and we just forced it down it was disgusting you know yeah. <laughs> and then my first thought was there's a bunch of girls i want to call all right all of a sudden yeah you're like, and back you're in, removed and you're like boom. i need to talk to people while i'm feeling boom like this. yeah <laughs> and so i guess this was foreshadowing of how the rest of my life would be in a, in a way um so we went back th back in this time there was these things they call phone books yeah and there was these things they call phones, like landlines, and so we called from there. So you, that would mean you'd was have this to a be cordless phone. Or was no, wait, hold, stop it now. Ah, Calm down. I'm getting ahead of myself. You would have to be standing by the wall to receive this call. Yeah. And if you weren't by that wall, you didn't get the call. It's pretty, pretty yeah. trip, huh? So back in these days, what happened is like you know their mom or someone would answer the phone. Whoever, you know, and hey, um, it's uh somebody on the phone. He says he's his name's Brent, you know. That's how it would go. Yeah. And then if I got a call, same thing. Anyway, I go through the I go through the uh phone book, find a bunch of girls' number that I'd always been scared to talk talk to and call them. Like, hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> Feeling great, you know? And I remember I remember calling like a few of them and then some of it was well you'd be surprised how, you know, f you know how we say fear ought to be classed with stealing. You'd be surprised about how many, you know, and this is just in hindsight, everybody's kind of feeling the same thing. Yeah. And they might have been afraid to talk to me, too, you know, but I assume that I'm the only one with this fear, you know, I'm because I'm separate from everyone else. Mm. And, you know, and boom, I'm drunk, I'm connected. Call the girls, and I remember I call one girl, and she's like, oh, my God, are you drinking? She knew all And I was her. like, Yeah. Because I thought that was the coolest. I thought that would be well-received. And she's like, no, that's <laughs> not cool. We don't drink. Wow. And we don't get drunk. I don't think that's cool at all. And psh, lost it with that girl. How old was she? She was She was probably, you know, 14, 15. She didn't want to be. She wasn't with, impressed? She was not <laughs> impressed. And I thought, what a, what a, what a snob. <laughs> what a snob. Wow. And, you know, so that, that would be the mindset I would have moving forward. We're going in a weird direction here. Um, and the mindset, you know, there were some people who knew, like, early on what I was doing wasn't cool, you know. And I'd be like, what's wrong with them, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's weird. And so it would progress. And uh, I uh, I ended up moving uh, 
I ended up moving, uh, switching schools and going through. I, I moved from my, uh, my dad had custody for a long time. And I moved in with my mom. And my mom had a little bit, she was not be able to, able to be as hands-on as um, they were. And so I was able to really run amok starting around. Around the age 14, I ended up failing out of Brother Martin and then moving in with my mom. Can I say Brother Martin? Uh, I, I ended guess. up failing out this school. And, uh, yeah, they, <laughs> they don't care. They, like, take my, I might have to scratch that from the tape. And Because uh, I just I, – I don't do well in all-boys school with a uniform. And, and anyway. And so um, live with my mom, have a whole lot of freedom. And so I became able to just do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, so I would, you know, I would drink and I would graduate to smoking weed. And um, by the time I was uh, 16, you know, starting around 13, 14, just drinking whenever I could. And by the time I was um, 15, 16, I was smoking weed every day. Smoking lots of weed uh-huh. every day. Can I say weed? Yeah, say weed. Yeah. Shout out, shout out marijuana. Shout out. <laughs> and weed was my first love. Yeah. And I and you could smoke. I go and I and I had to be stoned to do anything. Wow. So let me ask you this. I guess I mean because I'm I'm relating a lot to the way you felt and thought. Uh, and so I'm guessing you know hot, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of uh, inability, like obsessive thinking. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know it's a, I know it's like I went through a phase where I smoked a good bit, but it was always I had to be drinking first. Yeah. Marijuana by itself. Yeah. Was a horrible experience for me. No, I, I understand completely because it would turn on me as I got older. Yeah. Completely turn on me. But when I um, but it had that it didn't have that effect yet. When I well, around 15, 16, it had a calming effect. It was still just like regular swag. Schwizzles, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, once nugs came out, like what, what, what the fuck is that? Is that acid, man? I'm tripping, you know. Really, dude? I couldn't handle when man. when the weed got strong. I couldn't handle it anymore. Well, I couldn't handle it from the, junk. If I'm right. honest, yeah. It just made me so paranoid. No. And like everything, like they're thinking about me. What did I? I said something really stupid 20 minutes ago, and I'm still thinking about it and they're yeah. all still judging me about no. it they all hate me none of that that was yeah it's about every time if i smoked yeah. and i wasn't drunk already but what alcohol always did is yeah. it took away that self that fear self-conscious shit uh-huh. and when i smoked it was a great experience i understand yeah i understand completely and that would but but at this time for some reason i wasn't um yeah, I wasn't in touch enough with that mental mental state of, you know, um, marijuana can make you paranoid. I guess at this time, any sort of escape was 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 good. Yeah. Any any sort of way to get outside of myself. And weed was um, I mean, we were obsessive about it. We watched weed movies, fr- you know, Friday, half baked. And we said all the sayings and <laughs> Cheech and Chong. And we made bongs out of random just things. And we inhaled so oh, much man. smoke over those years. And I mean, it was a, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a whole lot of fun. Watch, you know, smoke up and watch the wall in a dark room. Got it like. Yeah. But inevitably, other drugs came in, came into play, you know, and, um, I would say, um, so yeah, drinking and weed, man, what a strong combination, you know, shout out drinking and smoking weed. Cause like that's <laughs> strong drug. Like people yeah. are like, I used to, you know, cause we all know 
once we get towards the end that like drinking beer is not really drinking and smoking marijuana is not really doing yeah, drugs, right? It's, it's that's like, just like downplayed so yeah, bad. That's just like <laughs> that's just like maintenance. Yeah. You know, that's what we do in between. You know, it's funny, yeah. And if anybody comes like around with a problem with yeah. weed, you try to like yeah. you, 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 you smoking some weed, man? <laughs> you instinctively like Yeah. You you, you wanna like discredit the the, the issue. No, but, but it, it's 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 an yeah, it's a thing. And you reminded me, you reminded me, and I thought about this, and I'm trying to think of what I might say, but this is one of the things I thought about. I remember about 16, I was smoking weed every day, and I knew it was, a, I, I vaguely sensed I wasn't being any too smart, because I knew doing anything every day can't be good, yeah. you know? And so I was like, you know, I'm smoking a lot of this stuff every day, and um, probably not good, yeah. you know, probably not good. So I should quit. How long? How old? Maybe 16, yeah. maybe f early 16, you know, maybe I should, I think I should quit. And I told everybody I was quitting and I was like, I'm, I'm getting, I got, and I, uh, I had like my, spent my last $10. I had this like, you know, dime bag and I smoked and smoked and smoked and it was gone. And I was like, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. At 16. Yeah. So you've been yeah. trying to quit. You were trying to quit something since from the time you were 16. No, <laughs> no. So, so something broke that period at that time. Yeah. And what it was, was maybe a day went by and I couldn't quit. Yeah. I thought, I felt like physical withdrawal. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> this is just from weed. And I, I would like steal for weed. I'm not kidding. Like I was a huge pothead before anything. And uh, I, I, I didn't make it like I maybe made it like a day and a half, maybe two days. And I like had to smoke. It was a failed attempt at quitting. Huh. And, there were, you know, there was no real consequences, but it was just like probably not a good idea to be smoking weed every day. And at such an early age, too. It's such an early age. Yeah. Such a I needed it to. And, and by this point, I was dependent on it to um, go to school, to class. You know, this is like 10th grade. 10th, 11th grade, 12th grade, I, I, could, I felt really weird if I was not smoking. Yeah. Trip, huh? Yeah. So I ended up going to this um, uh, school. It's a private school that rich kids pay to go pass that are just got kicked out of. I ended up getting kicked out of everywhere. And then I ended up, so the first pill I took was in class. At this rich Some, kid school? Yeah, at this rich kid dropout school. So it was like rich parents, gangster, gangster life. Yeah. I was also <laughs> in a gang by this time. <laughs> I was also in a gang this time. Yeah. Um, what were they called? Let me, do, let me is, tell you do about. Do you want to keep the gang name anonymous? A phenomena? A <laughs> phenomena? Um, no. Please tell it's us. in a newspaper. Oh. Okay, so anyway, you can look in the archive and look up this name. But anywho, okay. So, but anywho, um, when I uh, moved in with my mom and I ended up going around all these kids and I ended up being afraid and I ended up somehow um, arranging a, this gang to be formed in Metairie. And at this time, they had a few other gangs. And uh, so I got, I was like one of the founding members of this gang. And the, and the, 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 oh, gee. the name of, I, I had respect as a, I swear <laughs> to God, I had, and there was folklore and people were like <laughs> made up stories that like we never, the name of the gang was Ruthless Posse. Uh, no. We were ruthless. Ruthless Posse. Our turf was um, in Metairie. 
uh, <laughs> between uh, Causeway and Lake Avenue, okay. the Lakeside of Veterans. Okay. Check it or respect it. <laughs> yeah. Posse. And uh, and that really that really kept me with a feeling of safe. All right, I was I had a feeling that persona would be out, and so I felt because I felt afraid, um, and I had to learn how to fight. And uh, and, and when I started going to public schools, and I moved out of the suburbs and moved in with my mom, and went into schools that were a little bit tougher, and learn and and then you know, and I I had uh, ego written all over me, so everybody wanted to beat me up. Uh-huh. So I had to learn how to fight, and um, and I was always scared that I would, you know, I was a little scared of that. I was scared I would get jumped or something like that i just imagined like everybody just wanted to jump me yeah. and i was paranoid about that and did so you, i joined that gang did you get jumped in the gang i well yeah ultimately yeah ultimately How, i did was at, it like at lakeshore playground <laughs> <laughs> yeah we were, we were we were rolling deep up in lakeshore that was our playground and um but that was um you know foolish um, but that was a way I could feel accepted and protected, and I and I was did feel part of something. Yeah, you know. But it wasn't. And then ultimately, when it when it when everything got too out of control and people were getting arrested and stuff, I distanced myself from that and like tried to hide from it and like just was like a pretend gangster. But yeah. I would never tell anybody that. And I didn't realize that till you know I got sober. Did you wear white ta- white tanks? We had colors. We had colors with black. We had the black rag, and we had some we had gang signs. Anyways, okay. it's you know people laugh. It's, um, it's a funny story. People laugh at it. And I was in uh and I was in high school until I was twenty three. Yeah, I turned twenty three uh in that May, and that was kind of like that's extreme. That's intense. I was twenty two when I turned twenty three at the very end. And May is my birthday, so. Yeah. I would say I was 22. I like to say I was 23. <laughs> it sounds a little more extreme. There was a guy Still who extreme, turned. Though. There was a guy who turned 24 right before me, yeah. and I was like, "That guy's a loser." <laughs> you know, I make sure I don't wind up as bad as that guy. So anyway, and um, so by the time I'm um, 17, I um, you know, and I was drinking. I'm an alcoholic in the way that I, I don't have a normal reaction to alcohol. Once I start, no telling what's going to happen. Um, and I would drink whenever I can I could in the beginning, and I, could, I would drink alcoholically. But then I found pills uh, like uh, Xanax and stuff like that, which do the same thing to the brain as alcohol does. And I found that I could eat a handful of pills a lot easier than I could drink, you know, as much as I needed to drink by the time I was that age. So, I would, you know, I'm definitely an alcoholic. I didn't I didn't understand that when I came into the program because I hadn't drunk, really. It wasn't my drug of choice, so yeah. to speak. Like, you know, like there's some choice over some drug, you know. But I basically was a garbage can. I would do whatever. And I discovered pills in high school, and that would be my main thing for most of the time and just hand copious amounts of pills and um so i'm in a high school i'm taking pills every day i'm smoking weed every now i'm drinking so i'm like while i'm in high school i'm smoking weed i'm taking pills i'm drinking i'm doing coke sometimes that was like you know you could get that every once in a while it wasn't like and then i'm i'm doing heroin when it comes i'm doing whatever's available you did heroin in high school yeah yeah i mean just like snort it i'm never gonna shoot it you know i did uh, lots of acid, just whatever was available. I just, my goal in life was to try every drug. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't have the ones in like, like for me, heroin and crack were like, yeah. never touching those. 
No, that would heroin and crack were like, I'm definitely gonna touch those, but I'm not gonna tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> or like, PCP because those yeah, make you. Yeah, I've never done PCP because those make you cut your arm That's off. That's the only thing I've never done. Or something. Like yeah, that. I, I didn't do PCP and I didn't like crystal meth because it made me feel really sober. <laughs> like I, I, I like to uh, the ease and comfort. Yeah. You know, that we talk yeah. about. I'm, I'm, I'm addicted to ease and comfort, opiates, you know, whatever. So I end up, I ended up in school till I'm 23. I don't even graduate. I don't even graduate. But, I, but, but the reason why it took so long is because I was just, man, I would get kicked out. I would, it was really important to me to graduate and I would get kicked out for whatever reason. I would try again and I would just, just could not or would not. And I, um, that's why I was in there so long. Cause like every year they were giving me a new chance. It's not because I was slow, because it turns out I'm smart. Um, and they even, there was even a period when I was, before I started using, that they wanted me to skip a grade because I was smarter than everyone else, you know. And that, But but of course I wasn't going to do that because that would mean I would separate, you know. I yeah. wouldn't be cool. Like, I'd be a young kid with a bunch of older kids. and that Nerd. Would, Like, the most important thing to me was to be cool. Yeah. And I wasn't even really cool looking back. I would just look at what everyone else was doing on TV or what they were wearing, and I would wear what they wore, and I would listen to what they listened to, and that meant I was cool. Mm. Or at least I felt the illusion of being cool. And so, you know, when you're living that kind of double life, you just got to keep getting loaded, you know, to um, just deal with yourself. And uh, I had no idea how selfish I was in relationships, you know, that would, you know, come with recovery. And I was just completely selfish, entitled. I used my, um, you know, I used my mom. I, I really manipulated my mom a whole lot. I tried to move after I failed the high school hustle and I tried to move to Massachusetts to live with my dad. Um, but, I, you know, guess who I brought with me to Massachusetts? I brought myself. Mm -hmm. uh, and meanwhile, I had a girlfriend this whole time. Uh, from age like you know 14 or whatever and uh, we um, we uh, you know we were we were we were we were we were tight you know we loved each other from my from my first like real love you know virginity and all that deal and you know we we're gonna get married yeah and, and um, but I left her to go to Massachusetts okay because I vaguely once again sensed that what was happening here in 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 New Orleans and in, in Metairie was not going to be good. Like yeah. I was heading in a, I was heading in a bad direction. I was I, I was I was you know I, by this time I um, had guns pulled out on me multiple times. I had been I had been beaten up multiple times. I had been uh, you know robbed, going out scoring drugs, guns in my face, and. Um, and it, and uh, almost OD'd, and, you know, I was I was headed towards death. Yeah. And so when I moved to Massachusetts, it was like, I'm going to straighten out, you know. I got to get away from here. And I ended up going to junior college out there. My stepmom helped me a lot. God bless, God bless everyone in my family who had to put up with me because I was just, I was so far living outside of reality. And I just thought that, you know, I deserve to be treated so much better and no one's treated me well, including teachers and police and the whole world didn't didn't treat me right. And I was pissed off about it, you know, and I let you know, you know, I had a bad attitude when you when you told me what to do, you know, like or Did you I, have a bad attitude towards her to my, my stepmom. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Toward 
Yeah. Um, I was entitled, you know, I, I, you know, she, whatever she, whatever anyone did for me, that's because they were supposed to do Yeah. because I'm your amazing, you know, you know, delicate snowflake son that, you know, should be worshiped. <laughs> and I, and I, and since I had been mistreated my whole life and I've had such a hard life, then you should, you know, understand my bad behavior. Yeah. And, uh, went to Massachusetts to, um, Went to Massachusetts to get away, and I, um, I decided while I'm in there that uh, Massachusetts isn't working, and I ended up leaving the college I was in. Moved back down here. I decide that what I need to do is get married. What really I did was with all the wedding gifts and the money from the wedding, <laughs> oh my God, I just realized I'm confessing to this. Uh, God bless everyone that supported that wedding, you know. And there was a huge part of me that thought, well, I'm going to get married and then I'm going to grow up and then I'm going to do all the things that a married person would do. I'm going to finally be responsible. And once get you ma get married. Once I get married, that's going to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take life seriously, you know. And by this time, my alcohol and drug habit was just so far gone you know that whole once i once i found stuff in massachusetts i was using every day and i thought i could you know maintain that lifestyle but i couldn't imagine not not using anything you know and by and by the time shout out marijuana making you paranoid because by the time <laughs> i was 23 that's when i would smoke and i would have an instant panic attack yeah and so all i did was just substitute with more drugs or more yeah. alcohol and weed kind of just went out the door yeah once yeah. it like it, it, there's like your life's going down a bad road. Yeah. It, all it does is highlight that. Yeah. Like we, to the I can max. I know. I have like the worst thing I can imagine like relapsing on is like weed. So yeah. all you can do is think about like your life. You've just flushed your life down That's the all, toilet. And, and you just, and you just gotta oh, think about it. I would probably have, my heart would probably explode. Yeah, that's like what I think about when like you know you hear people imagine say, like, like acid or ayahuasca something. or something. Yeah. They're like, yeah, you know, if you're ayahuasca is okay if you do it with a shaman yeah. or yeah, something. Right. Like, I'd be like, dude, I would have the worst experience ever. If I, I would have that. such a bad trip, dude. I'd be in, I'd be in the, the chicken coop. Yeah, <laughs> clucking probably. So I decided to get married to this girl, and shout out to this girl, and and, and if she ever listens to this. You know, I, I, I will never be able, the worst thing I've ever done, the worst thing I can think back was how poorly I treated this girl and how much I, I like ran her through the mill and I just was completely selfish. I didn't really care about anything she wanted and she needed, and she would just do whatever I wanted. And I didn't realize like that was, ab and I was abusive physically, verbally, in every way that you can like, that was against my, what I knew was right. I just treated this woman horribly, mm. you know. And she stayed with me that all that time, you know, the terrible, terrible things, things that, you know, I obviously didn't like chain her in the basement, or but I did things with her that I just wouldn't talk about because I wanted, wouldn't want to bring up like trauma, you yeah. know, like a listener, you know what I'm saying? But I was just not okay with this girl and I was, and I was very selfish and I was, and I treated her horribly. Yeah. And, um, so guess what? the marriage doesn't work when you do those kind of things. And I didn't realize, I just thought, man, if she would just do what I wanted, you know, I mean, she would just listen. Uh -huh. I fall into that, you know, she would just listen. How long did it last? So when we get married, it was maybe about, um, two years before she was, um, it was done. You know, oh, she was, years. yeah, she's seen other people or whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, because I would not 
hold a job. I maybe would work. The, the before before sobriety, I maybe max I held a job was a year. Oh. You know, and that was a feat. I remember I made the year, and, I, <laughs> and it was a miracle. The only reason I had that job is because my mom knew them and got me that job, and they just put up with my shit for a little yeah. bit over a year, and then they finally said, "Have a nice day." So when that when that amazing woman who put up with my stuff all those years left, and I lost the job which was my last opportunity to have a real job. I really spiraled down. and uh, But my parents at this time still, they, what they would do to help me was they would give me some money and help me. You know, they would help me get an apartment. They helped me get back on my feet. And um, and so this was the last go round with that. And they would, um, and so they, they, said, they said they were gonna help me one last time. They paid for me to live in this apartment for a year. And I lived there, and basically I just wanted, I just lived like I was going to die every day, all right? I would, like, sublet the apartment to whoever wanted to stay on the floor, like, if they had, you know, drugs or whatever. And I I have, like, a lot of, like, um, out-of-body experiences and times I went into um, the hospital on overdoses or people would find me and, like, um, on the street asleep. You know, I just get, you know, you get tired, you know, <laughs> when you're walking down the street, you know, I just need to take a nap right there. Wow. And all I had was this dog and with me in this just terrible looking apartment. And I, I just wanted to die, man. I just remember, I just remember I couldn't get loaded enough, man. I would swallow like, you know, um, like 20 to 20 to 60 pills in like a, in a day or more. You know, on top of doing a little coke or whatever, or whatever someone else had, and just, just, and just, just, just trying to numb all the, all the pain and all the, all the, all the sounds of like where my life has turned out and how I feel completely hopeless, and how when I'm when I'm sober I have absolutely no skills for life and I have no idea how to navigate that, and even even more than that, I can never tell anyone about that, and wow. I was very protective about, I was very Sensei. protective about that secret. And so I wouldn't tell, I've never been to treatment. I've never been to detox and I could, you know, I could have got yeah. like seizures or something. Cause I definitely was like taking copious amounts of benzos, opiates, alcohol, crack. Anyway, I was doing like enough, like I was physically addicted, but I didn't want to tell anybody cause that would mean you would take that solution away from me. Yeah. And I was so afraid of that. And I was so afraid of if I would get that documented on paper, then that would mean that you got me. And now it's official and it's documented that I have a drug problem. So I just. So like this whole time, I mean, obviously your parents know you have an issue. With I think maybe they they knew something was amiss. All right. And but they might have just thought. He's going to get it together someday. They may, they thought yeah. I was going to get it together someday, it's and they thought, and they were in denial. Hard time finding his way. They were in denial, too. Like, yeah. they knew I liked to dabble, but they didn't, they have no idea the depths that I, were, yeah. I was at by it's this time. It's crazy because it's a sim very similar situation with me, too. Yeah. And so when I look back, I think, how could they have not known? But yeah. it's like, you know, denial runs deep in them, in, 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 yeah. in the family, and in, in a lot of people, too. You see somebody that yeah. you love, you're just hoping for the best. You don't want to admit the worst. I tried to keep it away from them because, you know, I lived off of manipulating them for money. If yeah. they were to see me in my, like, natural habitat, you know, oh. they'd be like, oh, hell no, we're not <laughs> contributing to that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
And so I, um, I get kicked, you know, they pay for me to stay in that apartment. I get kicked out. I, I wind up uh, homeless, but not really homeless because I, you know, some people uh, let me stay at their house and they, and, uh, and they introduced me, you know, they, 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 they got me off. Uh, they told me that shooting heroin wasn't allowed, but uh, smoking crack was, was a-okay. And so uh, I just kind of substituted while I was living there. But, you know, it's really weird. Um, it's really, it was really a feeling of, like, powerlessness over my life because you're living with some people who are unpredictable just like you, and so they have some really weird, like, house rules, you know, they have to follow because <laughs> they're, like, kind of paranoid sometimes or sometimes they're not. Yeah. So, like, a freeloading drug addict, you know, staying on your couch is, like, not the best situation. Yeah. And so they ended up, um, they ended up kicking me out, and I ended up, kind of wandering around the streets and I ended up somehow squeezing by this time I was just taking methadone off the street and uh really only periodically I wasn't even like I wasn't even like daily drinking I was really struggling with sobriety you know like they would by this time I believe that maybe I had a drug and alcohol problem and maybe the solution was to stop doing that and so I would stop and I and I and I would but I'd be so absolutely miserable that every day was just like such a struggle with anxiety and depression and all these feelings and um and so i would always wind up drinking or using again yeah i would always wind up drinking or using again and i just felt really um hopeless and so uh, uh so somehow i managed while i'm living with these people i somehow managed to um get sober for like two weeks and uh, I shared at a meeting that uh, I was homeless. And, you know, at that point, my main problem was being homeless. And I'm absolutely terrified of being homeless or being in jail. Like, I'm not built for that. I'm from the suburbs. I need a bed. I need a pillow. I need blankets. Yeah. I don't sleep. Dude, I don't <laughs> even camp, dude. I don't even camp. Fuck camping. Camping's right? always cool. And, I, and, like, in theory, until you're there, you're like, yeah. this is the worst. I don't sleep on the ground. <laughs> I do not. I do not. I mean, I've been in jail a few times. Just, like, I never did time. But I've been in jail m many, many times. Yeah. But, you know, for a day or two, just because it was some BS warrant. And um, I was not willing to go to jail or to live on the street like in a tent like in a clay. I just I'm not a built for that and yeah. I'm willing I was willing to go to any lengths not to do that and I was still really manipulating and I was still really pretending to be sober at this time because I knew that I knew that sobriety was something that was so painful that there was no way I would ever be able to maintain that long term so because if you felt like I felt when I was sober then you would drink and yeah. you would do drugs you don't understand what this does for me yeah and I um I wound up getting two weeks and getting accepted to an Oxford house. And, um, and then Katrina hits and I evacuate. And while I'm evacuated, I, I, um, anyway, that's where my, that's where, that's where the first half ends. Okay, cool. Yeah. I wound up getting an Oxford house. I'm kind of soberish and Katrina hits. I'm on my way. Katrina hit. Yeah. And we evacuate. All right. Well, that's perfect. Perfect place to stop. We're going to take a break uh, and uh, we'll be right back. All right. Back from break. Uh, 
so yeah where were we <laughs> i forgot where we, oh no yeah I'm katrina back you know it's one of those things i find there's a common is that like in in everybody mo- most everybody mm-hmm. from new orleans who grew up here has katrina is a big part of their story or it's or or it's a or it's a highlight. Yeah, it's definitely a part. I mean, of, it's a huge yeah. thing yeah, to yeah. happen. Yeah, we're, so, we're recording. Oh yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, but Katrina, you know, <clears throat> it didn't really devastate. It didn't. It didn't devastate me, so to speak, as much as you know. It took my security of having somewhere to go away. You're like you know, your home's gone. You can't go back there. What are you gonna do? But really, it kind of I kind of made out from Katrina because I didn't have anything, and so they gave me like some clothes and like a little bit of money, and so it was actually really was a come up. And uh, I was living in an apartment in uh, Nashville. Um, Your own apartment? uh, I was living with a guy that I evacuated with, ended up being stuck with, and there's a whole story behind that. We ended up. We end up going to Covington, Tennessee. Shout out Covington. The people there are great. And they like loved the, like we were from the city. So we're like, wow, you know, we're like rock stars there <laughs> basically, you know. <laughs> and uh, very nice people. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting stuck with that guy. And just did whatever he did because I didn't have any other option. And so he wanted to leave there and he wanted to go work in Nashville. And they uh, we went to like a Red Cross and they... Um, and we were sober. I was soberish at this point, but I was more on like the pretending to be sober. I knew I was I was gonna use again at this point, but I I was not able to you know use or drink like I wanted to, so I I couldn't really. Yeah. And it was you know I wasn't gonna just like <laughs> steal some beer or something. You know I, I guess I could have probably got some alcohol, but it's kind of sloppy, you know. They wouldn't. I was living with this guy's family, and if they, if and then I was afraid that I would get put out if I used in front of them. So I would wouldn't really. And what did what were you doing for a living? Were you working there? Oh, um, <laughs> so yeah, not really much of a resume to speak of <laughs> at this point. So, um, first available, I I finally got a job at a uh, Family Dollar. Nice. In Nashville, and I lived across the street from it. I just walked like down the, I guess what we wouldn't call like you know, it would be like Claiborne or like Veterans, like a yeah. main strip. <laughs> Everything's like related to, to New Orleans, <laughs> the greater New Orleans area. Um, and I yeah, I got that job at a uh, Family Dollar. I was living out there, and I, um, you know, I was doing sobriety. I was not drinking really you know i had one like slip when i was like with this guy and i ended up eating a bunch of um pills but you know and it and it brought you know when i ate all those pills it brought back to me the way it was before i got soberish it was that it wouldn't matter how much i used or how much i drank i couldn't shut it off yeah the mental anguish yeah it's funny because i remember I was thinking about that earlier, like how out you said alcohol made you be able to like talk to women. Yeah. Towards the end, I c- it didn't help. It, mm, yeah. It, 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 I think it even made it things worse. Yeah. When I would talk to women. Yeah. Drinking, like drinking helped me talk to women, but the, at the end, like drinking. Well, I think at the end, you can't realize how drunk you are. 
Yeah. And so they're like, you're slurring. <laughs> I'm not slurring. Yeah. I'm just tired. No, but I mean, even even that drunk, I, yeah. I couldn't get past my own insecurities right. anymore. Yeah. Like it didn't, I couldn't oh, yeah, that too. drink that away. Right. You know? Well, yeah, because the only, towards the end, the only way that I felt okay was I was passed out. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, and that was great, you know, but I was even fleeting, you know. I couldn't you get up. enough to pass out. It's terrible. Oh, it's a terrible way to live. So I, um, I'm um, i evacuated. I met that guy in an Oxford house. Oxford house is a recovery house. They have them all over the nation, and they're great. You know, they're great. Uh, as long as you can figure out how to stay sober. That's the tricky part is how do you stay sober uh, over a period of time. Um, so I, um, I'm there and I, you know, I had that little slip and it, it, it wasn't a slip. It was, I, I hate when people minimize like, yeah, no, you got loaded and you know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, Oh, I was just walking and I slipped uh -huh. and on some heroin. And, <laughs> um, but it's so, so I got loaded, um, but it didn't work, you know? And that's why I'll call it a slip because it just made me realize like it's still, even with some time under my belt and even physically detoxed. It doesn't matter how much I use. I can't quiet. Drugs and alcohol aren't going to work to quiet that thing that's going on in my head. And how long had you had sober by then? Maybe. Um, or real. The truth was maybe. Yeah. But the truth was I would maybe say I had maybe a month or two by that yeah. time. Yeah. But uh, you would imagine that like yeah. a month or, or something would yeah. be like. you. That's back, like forever. You could you could probably get yeah. real easy. Yeah, no, that's what I, th exactly. <laughs> yeah. y y thank you for filling that in. Yeah, so I, I probably told everyone I had like three or four months, and I probably really had like six weeks at that time, maybe two months. Because uh -huh. I w had another slip somewhere where I just kind of took some pills but didn't tell anyone, and I didn't really take a lot, but I just took enough to get energy, so it wasn't really a relapse, and... But, you know, that haunted me every time. Every time I was lying about even the most minute thing. Now that I'm sober, it just destroyed me. Mm. And I was like, what is going on? What is that thing that I'm feeling? Wow. It's called your conscience. <laughs> you know, a guy that I really respect says we have a really huge conscience and a really huge ego as well. And I think that's true about us. And I think that's definitely true about me. You know, I'm like, wow. I feel guilty over the things I did. I think more so than most people. And I also like feel separate from everybody yeah. or better. I'm better than everybody. I'm worse than everybody. You got that thing that drives you to do the things that make you feel incredibly guilty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a cycle. It's just yeah. nonstop. So I, um, yeah. So I had that pretend sobriety day while I'm living there. I had a little slip up. I end up um, realizing it doesn't work, and then I decide that I need to come back down to uh, New Orleans, uh, where my uh, where my my um, man. I've been having. I'm so fried. I've been having trouble thinking of words. My my support network is. Yeah, I do that too sometimes. Yeah. Like, there was a period where I was like, man, I'm really smart. And then, like, the last few years, I'm, yeah. like, I'm forgetting things. I'm fry, dude. <laughs> I couldn't remember, like, um, people's names at the wedding that I've been knowing for, like, you know, five. Like, oh, what's her Oh, man. I just couldn't think of it. But I've always had that issue, though. Yeah. I'm like, the other day, I don't know about it. The other day, I ran into somebody with, with, with somebody. Yeah. Just keep it as vague as possible. Yeah. And I was in, in it. 
not because I don't respect the person, not because I, I, I don't, yeah. I don't, I think less no. of the person. Yeah. You know, you run into somebody and you're with somebody, so you, you, you're supposed to yeah. introduce them. Yeah. But you just, <laughs> yeah. You freeze. No. I froze, and I was like, "Hey, what's up?" And I'm like, "I got," and like, and the whole time I'm thinking, "I need to introduce these people because yeah. that's incredibly rude." Nope, not gonna do it because I can't think of this person's no. name. And then finally, this person goes, "Hey, it's blah blah." Yeah. And I'll, these might even be people I've shared intimate <laughs> moments with, and like, have held yeah. my, you know, people from high school. Yeah, I've forgotten good, not good friends, but yeah. like I had a small class. People from high school, I don't remember their names. That uh, it's that acid flashback, man. It's <laughs> that fried the cells. The brain might be still a little moist, or maybe it's some sort of de- degeneration. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. Well, you know what it is. Probably we're so spiritual now that we're like we have no attachment to like you know the material. Like yeah, you're just a <laughs> you're just a being. You are me. You know? You're love. I introduce you people as I introduce people as me. Yeah. This is me. Yeah. You're yeah. me. Meet me. It's a bunch of me's. <laughs> <laughs> So, anywho, are we back to the story? I guess. I don't care. Whatever, man. <laughs> I, got, I think I, uh, I'm still alive, so that keys you in on some things. So, I, um, okay. I'm living there. I decide to come back. I have a pretend sobriety day. My plan is, I didn't know what really my plan was. I just knew I needed to get back here. I I, I relapsed in the bus station because um, uh, I swear to God, it's like, you know, like it's like people just the, the drugs find you. You know what I'm saying? And I was in that bus. I had never I had never ridden a Greyhound bus before. So I'm in the bus terminal in the middle of Nashville and like, you know, the hood over there. And I'm sitting there and, uh, and, a, and a guy, I, I never can tell this story in a meeting too because like, you know, I've been programmed because I got sober and AA. I've been programmed to like not talk about drugs that much. Yeah. So I never get to tell this story. So I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's like not even that, that cool. But anyway, it was profound to me. So I sit... <laughs> in the bus station and this kid sits next to me and he's like hey man i got some xanax if you want some for the ride uh-huh. and i thought yeah <laughs> well no no the first thing i said well man i don't do that i'm sober what milligramage do you have <laughs> i got the twos the twos the ball shout out everybody that knows about xanax because you know the two milligrams the ball is dog Oh, okay. And the bars, that's the strongest. The bars. Yeah, they get you where you yeah. want to go. Those, you, you take them a quarter at a time. <laughs> Neg- <laughs> negative. Uh, <laughs> negative. A handful. I know when I, in, when I was in high school, yeah. or, or, you know, like the girls would take like, you know, a yeah. quarter. Oh, my God. I took like, I took like a half a peach Xanax. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> it was like fake. I sold them like a fake one. You know? What was the ones that there was some ones that were fake that you could that you'd get? They were like fatter. They, yeah. They were something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was fake everything. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get into that though. Yeah. Um, the the best part of fake drugs is I've sold fake drugs to people and like I had a you know and I you always like afraid to answer the phone after because you know like <laughs> you motherfucker I'm gonna kill you you know yeah, uh, so. One time I, um, one time I told some, this is such an aside. I sold someone some fake drugs. Uh, it was, uh, he wanted ecstasy. I was like, yeah, dog, I got that fire. Bro. I got that fire. And I gave him like, did you talk like that before too? Was that like yeah, probably, time? probably. 
I'm I'm using a little bit more of an articulate voice because we're on the radio, but yeah. like maybe I can slip back into it if I like. You're using your interview voice. Relax enough. Let me try that. I feel kind. Of, all right. Anywho. And uh, yeah, this doesn't even matter. But let me just finish since I started. And uh, so I sell him some fake uh, ecstasy. I'm like, yo, this that Molly dog. This that fire. And uh, and the phone rings. I'm like, oh man. But he was like not threatening to me, so I answered it. And he's like, dude, I'm rolling my balls <laughs> off, dude. Can you? And it was antibiotics. I told him, I'm rolling. I'm just rolling so hard. Can I get some more? And so I end up bringing him. I'm like, shit, yeah, you can have the rest of them. And I'll give you a deal. And I like went and got the rest of antibiotics. And he rolled. And then, you know, I don't know, man. It's placebo effect. What? Maybe. Yeah, it was like the the only time that I was fortunate. <laughs> like, yeah, That's man. That's hard to believe. I told you it was fire. But maybe he did get some placebo effect rolling. Yeah, maybe he just wanted to pretend to be rolling so he can do the stuff that we do when we're rolling. Yeah. Like, oh my God. You know? uh-huh. Anyway, <laughs> he wanted to like, anyway, he wanted to like have sexual encounters with people and needed an excuse. Yeah. Probably. We won't get into that. All right. So what, where were we at? Um, oh, I'm in the bus station. The yeah, dude, I'm the like, kid. no, man, I'm sober. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't take that. Oh, what's the milligramage? Okay, you know what? I, so I tell myself, all right, I'm not, I'm not on, I'm not gonna relapse. I'm not gonna relapse. Okay. All right. Okay, I'm not gonna relapse. I, um, jeez, I need, I need, I need these. For, he's like, yeah, you know, they'll help you sleep on the ride. I'm like, I'm not gonna relapse. I'm just gonna take these pills as prescribed, and it won't be a relapse. <laughs> And so I buy a couple and I take them. I don't feel them because like I told you, it didn't matter how much I use. It would not shut down the mental anguish. And I just would keep forgetting that Mm -hmm. the mental anguish didn't go anywhere. I would just be like slurring, but I would still not feel the ease and comfort that used to come. Yeah. You know, I would just be, I need something else. You know, I need something else. And really, I just thought I needed to just jump, dive under a truck or something and just kill myself. So anyway, I uh, wound up at Oxford House. Oh, no, I wound up helping a guy, and this changed my life. I wound up helping a guy on the bus while I was on the way. I don't know if you heard the story. I think I have. Um, I, um, this guy, a little short version, this guy asked for help. And, well, he, he didn't ask for help. He, you know, we clicked up, and, you know, we found, you always find the addict or the alcoholic, you know, to, like, um, it's an oasis, you know, like if I need someone else to be miserable with. And yeah. I found someone on that bus ride. Are like that. Yeah, to be miserable with. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out Bill's story. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so we he started asking for help. And then I was like, man, man, I'm going to this Oxford house, man. You should come with us, man. It's going to be great. Um, only thing. Oh, man, I forgot, though. There's only one little thing. You, you can't. You can't be on drugs and you can't use alcohol. And um, and he, he's, this guy started to open up to me. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I um, I can't, I can't stop using uh, drugs or and drinking alcohol. I um, been trying for a while and I can't stop. And I've been suicidal. I've been depressed. I'm not having fun, you know. And uh, I'm like, well, that's it's gonna be all right, man. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Um." 
Because here's what you're going to do. You're going to get sober. And, you know, apparently there's these steps and there's this, like, book. And, you know, you can you should read it. And then you're going to be you're going to be fine, man. Everything's going to be okay. You're going to you're going to be great, dude. It's just it just hang in there, man. I'm going to I'm going to help you. And um, and I remember feeling like a feeling, a good feeling. Yeah. Like, man, it feels good. I'm helping somebody, you know. I've, I've heard about this helping people thing <laughs> one time or something, yeah. you know. Like, and, and, and you hadn't really, and you had, had you done anything like 12 to really? Uh, by this time, I had, um, I would say, worked up to step two. Like, I, I, you know, I knew that I couldn't stop drinking. I couldn't stop. But I also knew that was the only time I felt okay. And there was no other way to feel okay. And I didn't feel okay when I wasn't drinking and I wasn't using. So I, I understood I was powerless. I understood that my life was completely unmanageable. And I, I was incapable of living life. But I didn't really think there would be something as strong as what drugs and alcohol were, what they did for me. Yeah. You know? There's no way. How could there be? There's no way something's that powerful. Meanwhile, your boy's rolling on antibiotics. <laughs> we got dudes rolling on antibiotics, you know? Maybe I should just go to an antibiotics yeah. anonymous program or something like that. Um and uh and, and so I'm helping this guy and I'm talking about our plans for the future and how I'm gonna help him and he's gonna have you know, he wasn't gonna have anywhere to live, he's gonna come live with me. And uh and I start to think, you know, I get away from him and I start to think and I'm like Um I I told him something like, you know, I, I tried recovery and it just didn't work, you know, it didn't work for me, but it might work for you. Mm. And somewhere in there I realized did you did you get a sponsor, meet with him and work all the twelve steps? Because it's a twelve. Somehow it like occurred like logic. You ask you know, yourself that. You know a great a, a speaker I like s- defines a spiritual experience as any time an alcoholic realizes some part of the truth about himself. Mm. And uh, so I realize right here that I'm absolutely full of shit. All right. Like, dude, you, you've been pretending this whole time, you know, I'm telling him it didn't work for him, but I'm also thinking like, you didn't try it, dude. Like, yeah. and it wasn't that, it wasn't that much of like a conflict. Like it wasn't that clear, but it was just like, you know, maybe, maybe you're full of shit. Yeah. That kind of thing. You Small know? moment of clarity. You know how we trick people into like, you know, step two, like, you know, maybe there's a higher power, yeah. but you know, no, no. Just no. be open. Yeah, just, just be, be willing. A, yeah. <laughs> you ever think that maybe, you ever tell a guy like or someone you know, like maybe you're overreacting. You know what I'm saying? Like they are overreacting. Yeah, you yeah know? like, you know, like possibly <laughs> it could be that maybe you're not seeing it yeah. uh, clearly. And, you know, they are, but no one could hear it that, that yeah. strong. You have to let them think <laughs> yeah. they came up with it themselves. Exactly. Could it be? So I realized that I need somehow it's I come up with the solution. Uh, first of all, I think this guy's gonna rat me out to the house I'm moving in, and he's gonna let he's gonna he's gonna tell him that you know I'm not sober, and, and I'm gonna fail a drug, and I'm then I'm gonna be homeless, and I was very afraid of that. So then another option came. Excuse me, let me get a sip of this delicious water, <laughs> which I got for you. Andy gets the best water there is. I'm the best water getter. He finally knows his place. (laughs) (laughs) 
So anyway, no, it's it's just janky. If you can see, I wish if anything was could see a picture of was how janky this cup of water is. <laughs> it's not even in a cup. It's in like a a container. He probably had some pho in it, uh, pronounced pho, but you know, commonly known as pho, in there. Anywho. And it's tap water. And it's yeah, I can it's, taste the uh, Mississippi River. Yeah, dude, I tell you what, New Orleans tap water is not bad. Yeah. I've been drinking it for a while now, uh-huh. and I've taken two trips to third world countries. I've eaten all the street food, and I've gotten sick, and I think it's because of the I drink the tap water in New Orleans. There you go. Yeah. So, I usually don't drink it, but... Endorsement here. Yeah. Maybe it is. So, anywho, um, and so I realized, you know, maybe you can go and tell everyone the truth and tell them that you relapsed and tell them you want to start over, and that, mm-hmm. and I did, and that was... Um, That's pretty big. Yeah, I just got to get honest, and, yeah. and maybe I can start from getting honest. And so that was um, my sobriety date was was the day after that. Uh, I, I had a, and I and that was um, November twenty third, two thousand five, and I, I I've I've not done anything since then. Wow. Yeah. How old were you? Twenty eight. Twenty eight. Yeah. And it wasn't you know. I didn't feel great. Uh, I got, you know, so I, so I, so I, the bus gets in, I wind up never seeing that dude again, you know, and I really believe as time went on, like God tricked me or, or the universe aligned in a way where that was the only way I was going to be able to see the truth about anything. It was, I was going to have to get outside myself enough. And I got, I was able to get outside myself just enough by offering this dude some help and not thinking about myself where I was able to see things not from my own point of view but kind of on the outside how it may look because you know the alcoholic life is the only normal life you know Mm -hmm. we don't know that we can't have another experience besides the one we're having you know so to be able to get a glimpse you know that's what happened from helping that guy and I never saw that again and I thought I thought you know I'd been tricked by God or the universe or whatever you want to yeah. However you want to attribute that, it just seemed to me like not much of a coincidence that yeah. a guy was there and I helped him and then he disappeared and I never heard from him again. And so I guess you could say it was an angel. Yeah. Yeah. God in drag. Whatever. Yeah. It was, um, and you know what? And, and you know, just to jump forward a little bit, that's usually what God looks like to me anyways. Through you, it's through, you know, it's it's through other people where I, I'm able to, sort of I think maybe connecting with people is God I mean yeah. anyway it's like for a moment you know and I think I've said this has been said on the podcast before where it's like things like that are always happening yeah but you had that brief moment where right. you got outside yourself and were able to see something that's always been happening in front of you yeah yeah yeah, yeah. coincidences and then we're finally sober and awake enough to see them and this was the first thing that was tangible, like maybe something's working in my life. And that yeah. was encouragement. And um, and then it was crazy, you know, um, how I, uh, how I uh, ended up with my sponsor. Um, like I said, it was really hard talking to people, you know. And so I'm, I have a new sobriety date and I'm sober and I haven't used since, you know, up to this point. But I, um, man, this just. It's. I still have all those things going on, the internal stuff that I talked about. I just kind of have the understanding that it's going to get better, and I have hope that it might get better. Because I told myself on that ride that 
I'm probably going to have to kill myself because I can't live between my own ears. Mm-hmm. Right? That's impossible. And if anyone knew the, uh, this anguish that went on between my ears, they could they would have to kill themselves too. Um, but and I was sure that the twelve steps would not work. Um, but I but it, but something told me well at least you can try them and you can have an informed opinion if they work or not. They're not going to. Yeah. But at least you could say you gave it a go. Because it was really the last hope for me. Otherwise, I was just going to have to commit suicide. I thought I would have to because I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't live with myself. Yeah. And so I, um, I, uh, I, you know, and I'm praying at this time. I'm doing little things, you know, and prayers like working, you know, prayer just works, you know, and it was very practical. I wasn't with a, it wasn't religious in it by any means. I just I got on my knees. They said that's an act of surrender. Get on your knees and pray. And you're and you're bowing down to the universe and you're saying, you know, I don't, I'm not in charge, you know, and so I'm starting to pray and things are starting to line up. You know, I'm living in this recovery house and. The way I found my sponsor is um, I went to a meeting and um, I would force myself. It was really robotic. Like I said, I didn't know how to talk to people. And so it was really robotic. But something said to me, get out of your comfort zone and and talk to two people every meeting you go to. That's the only way you're going to meet anybody. And that, yeah. that that came to me through prayer. All right, it's just like, and maybe it wasn't even prayer. It was like, that might be a good idea. And that you know? might have been something you heard somebody say, but then it you never registered. Yeah, yeah, it was there. probably in the bank. Yeah. And so I um, I did that. I would go to meetings. I would force myself to meet two people. Well, one of the guys I met at one meeting, Manda being my sponsor, and uh, what he let me know right away uh, when I asked to be my sponsor, he's like, listen, and he was excited. I, I, I'd never really been in contact with anyone who had recovered, you know? Yeah. Like, if you ever, man, if you ever, you know, one thing I realize and I'm, I'm amazed by over and over again is that how nice the people are in AA and how great they are to be around. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, when you get around, like, our friends and stuff, they're just like, we just... It's just great, yeah. you know. People have just been transformed, and they're, they're and they're confident, and they're they're not full of shit for the most part, you know. It's great, and he was like, he was the first representative of that that I had ever been in contact yeah. with, and <laughs> so he was like, wow. He was just like would stare right through me, like he was like so sober. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna <laughs> explode if I'm as sober as this guy, you know. And so he let me know that um he's like listen man yeah yeah I want to I'm going to be a sponsor I'm going to I'm going to be over I'm I'm going to be over once a week we're going to we're going to do some stuff um there's some things you need to know about me He says the first thing you need to know is my son died like 3 weeks ago and I'm really in a terrible mental state right now like I'm not doing good like I'm crying daily like I'm devastated by this and uh, he also said that, um, you know, I lost and, you know, I, oh, by the way, I lost my job at Katrina. They just closed down my unit. He was in the Air Force. And then his house got 10 feet of water, you know, all within a month of each other. You know, so he was um, kind of emotional about that. Do I know him? You may have met him. You may have oh, met him. But he's no longer here. In- he moved. He ended yeah. up moving. And uh, and so I was like, okay. And I had no concept of why he was telling me that, though. I was thought, you know, my main thing I thought was, yeah, he's never going to show up. I mean, yeah. he's like, I'll be at your house next week, you know. And uh, so he called. So, you know, I'm thinking, ha, ha, I got out of this. I got out of it. Because, as you know, 
when we say we're going to be somewhere, we're not really going to no. be there. <laughs> and so when he showed up, I was completely surprised and actually not too happy. Yeah. He always reminds me of that. He's like, remember that day I showed up? You didn't want me there. I, I didn't want him there. And I didn't want to do, I, I realized I didn't <laughs> want to do any of the things that he wanted me to do. Okay. Yeah. But he kept telling me about how much working with me was helping him. And I realized, and I thought about that guy on the bus, and I thought, and I, and I was like, okay, and and the only thing I knew is that he told me, he said, God put you in my life to help me, and to help me deal with with going, what's going on with my son, and to help me get through all this, and maybe he put me in, my, in your life to help you, and I thought, you know, this guy doesn't have time to be spending on me. He should be out handling his problems yeah he's got a lot of big problems he needs to go handle all right he certainly doesn't want to be with me yeah. and people at the house was living that i was in you know he showed up and he showed up and he showed up and people at the house that i was living with told me like man we've never seen someone show up this like this you know we, they had never seen anything like that i mean this is just what we do yeah but but you know that's it's common to me now yeah but they had never seen anyone like you know incredible show up that much and meet with someone that much which is just like basic level what we do now but and he would say things like well i'm just trying to stay sober and i was like what is he saying i don't get what he's saying what do you mean you're not drinking and uh he really was open with me and i really think that changed my life i'm forever indebted to that man for um for taking that time and coming when I know he didn't want to. And he would tell me about how he didn't want to. He'd tell me how I don't feel like being here. And I thought, why would you do anything you don't feel like doing? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it was a foreign concept. And as, as I watched him, I started to get interested. I started to get interested in, well, maybe there's something too. I mean, he had this, you know, and it wasn't really so much about his story because he was a pure alcoholic. You know, and I did more drugs than anything. Yeah. But I mean, and 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 it's something that's it's like kind of, it's kind of laughable to me. It's so like, weird to separate. I mean, not call yeah. because it's almost like you're not calling alcohol a drug, but alcohol is a drug. No, no, no. It's, right. It's a substance that which know? which is leading me to this point I'm about yeah. to make, and I just think it's so funny about how we as uh, drug addicts or purely drug addicts say, oh, I can't relate to alcoholism <laughs> at all. I can't relate. That's I don't like it. Cause I, what do you mean? You can't be, you can't relate to being dependent on a drug <laughs> to get through life. You it's, mean you can't this weird, like, no, nah, man, I need, yeah, <laughs> I need to like have know someone like he ain't never like put acid in his eye like I did one time. And like the thing, I th the thing I think about that is we're just looking not to relate. Yeah, that's you it. You know what I'm saying? Because you can relate to someone who's who's had a similar problem maybe not the same ex well did you oh i took 20 milligrams you only took 10 you're not yeah. like me you know what i'm saying it's like yeah. i mean i did the same thing in treatment yeah and, and i had to like everybody was a heroin addict yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and i was i couldn't relate well, well my, my boy uh ben who was on the show when he, I think he said he was in treatment. He lied about shooting heroin. Oh yeah. <laughs> only, in, only, 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 in, only in a twelve-step program do we like try to like out like oh, yeah. coolly. Oh yeah, but I like. I've been. I'm pretty sure I lied about being in prison. Yeah. Like I, at one point, like it's just like impulsively, right. you know. You, oh, yeah, yeah it's like <laughs> it's a requirement. You got to shoot heroin yeah. and go to prison. Oh, like Matt, Matt, he had his story where like, and and I had heard it before. Yeah. And he and we were at a TNC. 
I'm, we kind of talked about it on this podcast, uh-huh. so I hope he doesn't care that I'm calling him out. We were at a TNC, and he tells the story, but this time he adds weed to it, oh, and the uh, original story had no weed, and, yeah. I went, and I heard it. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I didn't say anything to him. Yeah. We were going home, and I was like, so, weed? Yeah. And he, and like, and he, like, and he admitted to it. He was like, yeah, dude, I added that. Yeah. <laughs> and what I'm really grateful that this guy did, that a lot of, you hear a lot of people don't do this. Yeah. He's like... He didn't say, well, I don't know about, I've heard people say this. Yeah. He didn't say, well, I don't know what it's like to do drugs, so I can't sponsor you. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You maybe need to go somewhere else, you know? Um, He's like, well, you know, just hang in there. I think you might begin to relate, you know, which would happen. And so he met with me and, and oh, he also like, yeah, I lost my house. I lost my son. And I, and I'm gay too. Yeah, I'm gay too. And I was like, well, yeah, that's cool. You know, just, I'm not, you know, super homophobic, (laughs) super homophobic. (laughs) Like, all right, what you think I'm gay, man? (laughs) You know, um, but anywho, he helped me with that too. Um, so anywho, we meet, you know, we meet and we, um, and, 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 and as, you know, he was a living example of what it was, what a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous looked like. And I was watching it in real time, and I was watching uh, what we talk about, about how we work with others to survive the certain trials and low spots. Mm. That was really something that was happening with him at that time that I was able to witness. For, I had a front row seat on that. He was open with me about that. And it's, and I feel so blessed that, that the, it, it wasn't just somebody that, Cause that was amazing to me that he wasn't acting out in spite of what he was going through. And that was, that was impressive. Yeah. You know, and that was attractive. So I worked the steps. Um, I shared a lot of stuff with him. You know, I remember being, uh, I remember being in that fourth step and remember I, I would uh, get to this like roadblock where like there was a couple things I can never tell anyone. It's so trivial now, you know? And uh, I decided at one point I wasn't going to tell anyone these things. And then I decided a long story short that I was going to have to, you know, yeah. that because I, I couldn't say that I really tried this if I didn't really if I held anything back, mm. you know, and that, and that was something that 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 was given uh, and I, a piece of logic that was given to me. Like, f- no, you got to fully try it, you know, before yeah. I was willing to do that with drugs. You know, I was willing to get past the nausea, you know, from from opiates you mm. know or what or whatever or or drink past the you know drink past the sickness so what i and so I, I you know i didn't leave anything out and i told him and i remember man it was like i think i hear you talk about this my fourth and fifth step was life altering earth shattering experiences like boom i was mm. up from the matrix you know yeah. and all of a sudden wow. I'm like wow so reality as i know it <laughs> is totally wrong yeah and the and and all the thoughts I've had and all the th- the ways I've thought and all the things I've done, I've just sold myself this bill of goods and and made excuses that weren't real, but I believe them. Yeah. And it's amazing how much we could live in such a delusional world and to be that delusional that it's almost completely unaware. It's so scary. It's weird. It's so scary yeah. that yeah. like 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 you can like I can look back from where I am now and look at look at my behavior and like yeah don't do that what are you doing uh, you know? yeah, yeah like of course that's wrong I had no compass about that it was just filled with justification you know for whatever I was. basically at our core 
we want to be able to do whatever the fuck we want to do when we want to do it. And we don't want people to tell us, yeah, you know, to get in the way of that. And we manage to, to justify and convince ourselves. So we have to believe that there's an excuse. Yeah. Cause the reality is too hard to handle. Mm. Like if they would have told me what a piece of shit I was early, I might not have survived that. Yeah. It might've been too much truth for me to handle. I think that's why the 12 steps are in order. You know, I surrender. Maybe there's something that's just some hope. And then I like, you know, I, 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 and I have someone with me, you know, by that time when we got on our knees and we did that third step and we, and we wrote the fourth step, he was, I felt like he was with me. He's like, I'm not going to leave you. You know, I'm going to do this with you. I'm going to walk with you. Mm. And, uh, you know, and that's, it's, it's, it's so special what we do. Uh, with guys when we share a fourth and a fifth step with them, you know, they write and then they because we open up about our stuff, you know, and yeah. we, we give that to them. And that's like magic, you know, that's mad. And when he did that with me, it made me feel better. It made me feel OK. And for the first time, I wasn't alone in the world. And I was just <laughs> wide awake. Man. Yeah. I just woke up, shot out a rocket. And from then on, you know, I was a believer in this program. I had all sorts of ideas. Now I had an experience, you know, and and, and there's promises that they talk about in the book Alcoholics Anonymous about, um, and those all happen. And it was like, when I when I read the book and and, and, it, and it told me these things would happen and they exactly what they said would happen, I would have, and, and not just what would happen, that I would have these kinds of feelings. Like, mm. what? they know what I'm gonna feel, dude. <laughs> it was just tripping, I was just sold, man. I was just sold and, you know, I went forward and uh, through the rest of the steps and made some amends and, uh, you know, I had to face, you know, I had to face things. I had to, I had to go face people. I don't even know how to talk to people. And as I did that, you know, I got a little bit better and I felt a little more connected to God or to you or to the universe. Um, you know, I, I remember there were moments where I could have lied about things and I didn't. Um, I remember when I went to make amends to my mom, um, you know, she, she, it was just, it just set itself. It, it came together. I didn't plan it. It just came together. And I was on amends and we were meeting up. And um, she said, hey, you know, you're doing pretty good, huh? You've been sober like um, you've been sober like almost a year now. And I'm like, Shh. I knew I wasn't, you know, and um, and I and I just let the conversation and go a little bit longer. And I let her believe that. And I said, hold up, wait, mom, I need to tell you the truth. Hmm. I'm not. I haven't been. I've only been sober like for like three, four months at this point. And uh, I was lying to you back then. And I and I and I and I I am sober now, but not as long as you think I am. And that was like a moment where I could have, you know, those things, those little moments. Yeah. Uh, a speaker talks about fourth and inches, all these little things that have to trivial fall little things that right. are not trivial. Right. I yeah. could have carried that lie. I mean, for whatever reason, I could have told myself that, you know, well, it would hurt her to believe that. But yeah. I needed to be honest with her. And I got honest with her about some other things. And, you know, she told me that. She says, she says, she cries, you know, she finds out I stole some stuff that she kind of knew I stole already, but, um, we don't have time to talk about that, but I stole some things from her, some very important things that I thought that would devastate her if she knew that I, you know, I told her that I, I took that stuff from you and she cried and, um, she, you know, it was irreplaceable things. It was like, you know. 
And, and they always tell you, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. It was that kind of thing. But she cried, and we got to cry together. And uh, wow. she told me, she told me that. But I've been watching you. You know, I've been watching, and whatever you're doing is really powerful. And I've been watching you, and you are becoming the man I always wanted you to be. And and and, and I don't want anything else but that. But I just want you to keep doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And to me, that to me. That was part of the amends, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, but yeah. do it at a high level, like go help others, you know, and that was motive. That still is motivation for me to keep doing what I'm doing. I don't want to be that guy that steals from my mom again. I don't want to be that guy that she had to disown me. She, uh, she, we don't have time because I'm running out of time, but she, um, she pretended to move to Philadelphia. Yeah. All right. Just to, so I was going to ask you about that, but then I yeah. was like, well, maybe he wants to leave that out. Yeah. Uh, no, she, you know about that? Well, yeah. I mean, she you, see, I've heard you tell it before. Oh I mean, yeah. That's pretty I've, I haven't told it in years though. Yeah. I forgot about it. I just remember she pretended to move to Philadelphia to get away from her because she felt so threatened that I would show up and I would try to get money out of her and I would damage her, you know, relationship with her husband or something like that. Mm. Um, I would terrorize them, you know, and um, that's the kind of things I did to people. And I made amends to <coughs> other family members. I, um, I, I, you know, I made my amends. You know, I did the, I did amends that I was said I would never do. You know, we make a, we make a now, a maybe, and a never list. You know, uh, as you know probably. And uh, you know, I made the may, I made the nows, I made the maybes, and I made most of the nevers. And I face guys that I I hate that guy. I'm never gonna go talk to that. And I talk to those guys, and <laughs> I've paid money back to people who didn't know that I stole from them. You know, we got to do those little things. And the more I did those things, the more it built up my connect. And then, and and slowly, this whole thing about being afraid to talk to people and not feeling connected went away. You know, and I had a new confidence. And uh, you know, so. Um, from the example my sponsor put forth, really, and, he, and he's no guru, and he'll tell you he's not a guru, and, he, and I don't look at him as a guru, I just look at him as like, that's just like hard hat, working class AA, you know, you work with others to get you, to help you survive certain trials and low spots, mm. and that's something that we really have to do, you know, and so... It came time to sponsor, you know, I have a prayer and meditation life that's part of 10 and 11 together, um, you know, during the day, except 10 and, and the mornings and the night and, you know, a lot of times throughout the day. And I think about step 11 is that it's just always something that we're trying to grow spiritually and it's, you know, and it has, it has to do with meditation, it has to do with prayer. I also think it has to do with learning new things, trying new reading, you know, spiritual books, trying new religions, uh, being open minded and just letting this path take you wherever it may be. You know, maybe, you know, my mom's religion might be a good one. You know, I mean, yeah. just be. But, but but what I know is it works for her. And I know that in everybody's path works for them. Mm -hmm. And there's maybe something I could pick up from it. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be everything. So I've grown along. I've grown a lot with that, and uh, but the main thing is um, helping others. Step twelve, you know, and it's been, you know, I really feel like I really made it my life. I really feel like I tried. I've done my best to make AA my life. All right, or or recovery, or you know, and uh, and it's paid me back so much. You know, like 
I um so I get out you know I I am able to like feel okay around people and I'm able and then and then all of a sudden something happened it was amazing I was happy not only was I happy and this this didn't come right away it took maybe a year you know I was a little weird the first year or two even but every day was always better than the last and every day I felt like things are going good and things are going to be good and then somewhere around, I don't know when it was, whenever I got, whenever we mobbed up together, me and these guys got together and we had this just bond, maybe like you and, and your guys, you know, and it was just awesome, you know, and I was finally like, I started to have fun and AA is not about having, recovery is not about having fun, but it's a byproduct for sure. And I've yeah. had, dude, I've had so much fun. It's crazy how much fun I've, I've had so much more fun sober than I've ever had Hands drinking down. or using. That's not everybody's experience. That's my experience. That's my experience <sighs> for yeah. sure. Like that's some, I'm, I've had the, 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 like if there's a list of top 10 experiences, I'm pretty sure they're all sober experiences. Yeah. You know, I've had so much fun. I've had times and I was like fully present for it. I'm like, oh my God, I'm having so much fun right now that if I, I might die if it was any more fun. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and, and I've also had tremendous bad things happen, sad things and, and gone through things. And I'm, but I never, I've never felt like hopeless. Yeah. I've never felt hopeless. I've, I've always known that, that I just, if I just put one foot in the front, the other, and I do the next thing that's indicated that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. You know, that I'm going to get through that. I might be feeling this way now, but it's going to be so much better. Wow. And, and I've been able to recover from all those situations and come out on the other end feeling good, you know, feeling okay and content. And uh, I'm not, a, you know, so I ended up going to college. That was a really weird experience, you know, like I'm like 30 and I decided to go back to college and I was able, I always dreamed about going to college, you know, and, and that's not everybody's experience and you're not, it's, it's like some people feel like it's a requirement or something you get a certain oh, yeah. amount of time you gotta start thinking about what you're doing you're like but for me i always that's something i always wanted to do and always was afraid and always felt like i would fail and uh but i just went one day at a time and uh and ended up having a blast and i went to a local university shout out you and and um man i did the student thing i went to classes i got to know kids I took acting classes. I took singing classes. I'm not that dude. Like, I'm a shy dude. And I did those things to throw me out of my comfort zone. Who does? I don't do anything just to be outside my comfort zone on purpose, but I was doing that. And it's given me so much confidence. Uh, and, and, if, and, you know, because I know that it, it's not me. Like, God's got, my, God's got my back, you know. I'm not feeling spiritual and, like, God's got my back 100% of the time. But generally, I have a sense that it's going to be okay, you know. And I'm a... So I did that. I graduated college. I had that great, you know, I went on stage. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. I, uh, right around that time, I decided to marry a woman in AA. Well, I get with a woman in AA. We eventually get married. She's great. Shout out. She's going to be speaking soon on yeah. this thing. Um, actually, it was supposed to be her tonight, but yeah, hey. switched up. Um, and, you know, that's just a byproduct of, 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 of the things that, that, that fall into place. You know, I, I didn't, that just is something that, that occurred. That wasn't something that 
I went head first looking for, but that's just the things that happen, you know, yeah. I mean, and, uh, and I always, um, and, you know, I'm supposed to be dead, you know, I, that's when I can remember that I'm supposed to be dead and that my own thinking, I ran my life into the ground, but if it wasn't for the beauty of this, 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 this program called the 12 steps, and this basically looks like this roadmap for living, like I, I know that I'm going to be okay because I have that, you know. Mm. It's and that's the best thing ever, you know. And magical things happen, you know. I mean, as you know, working with guys and watching that whole thing unfold and watching that happen for other people, you know. Like people tell me, like, I hope one day that maybe you know I can have what you you you're going to. Yeah. You know, it's wow. going to happen for you, you know, and it happens for them, you know. It's like it's I so told. So crazy, yeah. And it's yeah, it's so crazy to like to witness it. And to like realize you you really don't have any control in that matter that it's just happening to the person it was gonna happen to them regardless of you know what I mean yeah yeah you know it's not about me it's not about my it's 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 this thing you know this thing works it's not the messenger it's the message itself it's the things that we do that are so powerful and magical really I mean I mean have you had that moment have you had that moment in in the I've had so many moments like this that. And let me say if I if I let me say if I forget to say that um I married that woman and uh and I and I've always wanted to have kids and I have the two I have these two little girls and who are the absolute love of my life, okay? And I get to experience a, a love and a bond and a and mm-hmm. in a, a witnessing of humanity and reliving my childhood in a way that is 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 amazing you know and i'm constantly amazed by that and i also constantly don't want to do it okay because i i'm selfish you know i i need this program to be a good father to be a good husband i still need it to do all those things yeah you know what spirituality means to me now is i do the right thing even when i don't want to and, and when no one's looking it's not about anything i know or how much i meditate it's about that's the real gauge, you know. Yeah. Am I lying? And like I was about to say, I know you've had that moment where you're 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 in you're listening to a guy's fifth step. You know, he's written his inventory. You know, and he's coming to you, and he's and you know he's holding back, right? Uh-huh. And he and he either sh- and you know and I'll share something about me, right? And he'll and then he'll come out with the thing, you know. Oh yeah, well. I got something like that too. Yeah. And then you can, and you know that he's got a chance at life because you were able to talk about you and be honest. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he has a chance at life now. Yeah. That, that there's that feeling of like, when you feel like they've done, like they're, they're starting, they've done like a really thorough inventory. Of yeah. Step. And I'll, I'll always get the feeling like, okay, I think, it's like almost like you turn the corner. Turn the once corner. That happened, yeah. You know? I mean, they might yeah. not stay sober, but you have that moment with yeah. them where they, You've, they're finally pulled out of isolation yeah. from everyone else, and mm-hmm. they finally connect, and it's like they have a chance now. And then when they go make their amends, and you're know, like, some of my guys have done scarier things that I, I feel like, man, I'm glad I didn't have I to do that. I'm like, I feel like such a fraud, but I'm like, go yeah. do it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know, I, I I'm yeah. just blessed, you know, that that mine maybe have been easier than the next guys yeah. to watch them to do it. That's and always then, incredible. Yeah, and to watch them. That's humbling. Yeah, Definitely. and then to watch them help others and to be yeah. a grand sponsor and a great grand sponsor and wow. and uh, you know, and my family's like, 
man, my family's been affected by it so profoundly. Like, you know, I'm the only example they really have right now. And I mean, they, they look at me and they just can't believe the change. You know, they can't believe how different I am than the way I used to be. And, you know, even, and they're interested, you know, they might not be ready. Like they might not even be alcoholics, but they're, it's, it's got them like, man, maybe I should try this, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's awesome, you know, to, it's, it's great. Yeah. 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 As you know. I do know. Can we talk about hat sponsor? Or are we out of time? Oh, dude, maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll talk about it another time. I'm Brent is my also my uh, head acceptance sponsor. Because <laughs> <laughs> in sobriety, like I had an experience where like I wore my hat. Like I mean, the thing is, like I still wear a hat. It's it's it, I make it a point that if I speak in an AA meeting, I never wear it. Uh, I do go out without it. As, but it used to I would try to figure out A way to go to a wedding With a hat Yeah And it was about two years Into sobriety And uh, I remember Just having an experience Where I was like Man I still felt very Less than In a lot of situations And just not Very insecure And I remember having this moment Where like I froze up In a public situation With friends With like People that were outside Of the program I just felt Horribly And I remember thinking well, Why I remember thinking Why do I still feel this way and one of the things that came to me in in prayer meditation was like, just and it, it, it's not like the thing, but it was a symbol of the thing, you know. The hat was like a symbol of like me, pretty much telling myself that I was that I wasn't good enough, telling myself that I wasn't good enough to go out into the world the way I was. Exactly. And yeah. And I went and I, I I decided and I went for about almost two years without wearing it at yeah. all. I, I yeah. and I said I, and I put it down and then since I've picked it up, and I, I can't wear them anymore. They're so I wore hats from like age yeah. like six to like a year or two or sobriety, like maybe two years. I'm like the losing of the hat was like a, a represented something. Yeah. Oh, and it was definitely like a real big shift in my <laughs> yeah. sobriety. Uh, I feel like now I choose, and then also, you know, there's times where I'm like, I'd just rather wear a hat than cut my hair, mm. you know, so I don't keep it shaved, yeah. you know, anyways. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, we, and then I remember us relating about it, you know, because yeah. I, I figured you probably related to it because yeah. you were like, a, you know, a, a bald uh, Yeah, man. I mean, I've always had like this yeah. huge, like five head, like I was like, <laughs> like my head's too big, I got to cover it up, and then like, there was a sense of freedom. Yeah. Anyway, it really so. was very liberating experience <laughs> for me. It was yeah. like I, the the security blanket came so off, you, and 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 yeah. So for the listener, you know, if you don't get anything, at least one, you know, you may be able to lose the hat one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I was gonna ask you the question, but I don't know. I'm, I think we just ended right there with that. <laughs> okay. You know, the question I was gonna ask. What's that? I typically ask a question at the end of the oh. podcast. Oh. But yeah. Oh, did you did you have a again the, something in the holster? It's a, it won't, my answer is not very long, but I did think about it. All right. Well, so basically, if you were to encounter yourself right before you got sober coming in, knowing everything you could know now, uh, would there be something? Because a lot of people say I wouldn't say anything to like a kid, whatever, or or what or something, right? So, but it, what would you tell yourself? Yeah. When you asked that, I was like, man, maybe I should say something. Profound. I mean, ultimately, there's nothing that I would I wouldn't believe even. Wow. I would say. <laughs> I'm you, all right? <laughs> like, I'm you in the future. Hang in there. It's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, I was always, um, 
just didn't feel like it was going to be okay. And I would just say, it's going to be okay, man. Give yourself a chance and just hang in there and, 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 and do, do one step at a time. It's going to be okay, man. You're going to be, and one day you're going to be exactly, you know, I always just wanted to be happy and content. And, uh, and, and, and this program gave me that. Yeah. And that's what I would tell Even myself. You wouldn't believe it. Don't give up on yourself, man. Yeah. Don't give up on yourself. All right. That, that would be it. Well, don't give up on yourself out there. Yeah. All right. Thanks for coming and do this, bro. Thank you for having me. All right.